If you're sitting there thinking that you're so busy, you need help, and you don't know what you need that person to do, why the hell do you think a virtual assistant is gonna solve that problem for you? Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Jackie Koch, who is an amazing entrepreneur who is an expert in the area of hiring. And she is on the podcast today to help us navigate hiring as digital entrepreneurs, answering the question, who should be your first hire? How do you know when it's time to hire? And what does hiring even look like? The difference between hiring contractors and hiring employees of your business. We get into all of it today, and there are so many practical tips and tricks and things that you can walk away from, strategies that you can carry forward with you from this episode that are definitely going to help you build your team. So I'm really excited for you guys to dive in and learn from Jackie. Jackie has over 15 years of experience hiring teams and leading HR for Fortune 500 companies, startups, and digital entrepreneurs. She has an MBA, but she argues that she learned more about scaling a modern business over the last six years in the LA startup scene. Being an entrepreneur at heart, she launched People Principles, where she helps founders scale and lead their teams with one-on-one support, digital products, and boutique recruiting services. She's also the host of the podcast, Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now, helping entrepreneurs learn how to succeed when they're the ones in charge. I know you guys are going to gain so much value from this episode. Let's dive in. Jackie, hello, 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 and welcome to She Leads First. How are you doing? I am doing good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dig in, and I'm so excited for you on this podcast. It's been so, so proud of you. You just got to rip the band aid and do it, and it, it's 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 way it's way more fun than you would think, right? It is a lot more fun than you would think. And I was so nervous. I'll just share like getting a podcast up and going. I made it so much more complicated in my head than I thought or than it needed to be. And then I had this realization a little while ago. I was like, Emily, it's just a conversation. You know how to have a conversation. So exactly. You're doing it anyways. Now you're just recording it. Exactly. It's the conversations we're already having, but now other people get to benefit from hearing them as well. Exactly. So thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you on today and for everybody to get to learn from your wisdom. You guys, Jackie was one of the speakers that I brought to my in-person mastermind event that we just hosted in Scottsdale, Arizona in June. And she wowed everybody with what she had to say to the point where I was like, okay, Jackie, you have to come on the podcast and say it all again because it was so good. (laughs) Hopefully I remember it. (laughs) Right? Just redo it all. But they heard your 
intro coming in, but I would love for you to just recap for everybody who you are, what you do, a little bit of a brief background of how you got to what you do now and what it all is. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to go a little bit back further than my intro. So I actually, I started my career 16 years ago ah, in HR actually and in recruiting. And I was working in big, like big corporation. Actually, I started in temporary staffing where like different people would need temporary help, part-time workers or whatever. So I did that for about five years and then went back to school. It was during the recession in 2008 when it was really hard to find jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to get out of temporary staffing, but I couldn't. And so I was like, I'm going to go back to school and get my MBA. So I went back to school. Um, During that time, ended up getting a new job and started working at Polaris, which is a fortune like one of the biggest motorsports, power sports companies as an HR generalist and ended up having to lay off a bunch of people about a month after or six months after I started, they announced that they were closing the the plant that I worked at. And so for about two and a half years, I had to lay off people. Oh and man. Yeah. When you're 25, laying off people who've worked at a company longer than you've been alive was very, very <laughs> stressful. And then they all thought that I knew about it and that I was hired to do it. I was like the closer or whatever. Um, so it took time. But all in all, in all, yeah, I was definitely not popular. Yeah. But I did win them over, which is one of my superpowers is woo. So I did win them over eventually. That's a whole other story about how to do all of that, which I won't go into. But during that same time, I was going through some personal life changes. So ended up getting divorced, filing bankruptcy, foreclosing on my house, And I was unhappy in my job. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I knew I didn't want to work for somebody else. And at that time, it was 2010, 2011, there wasn't this world of online entrepreneurs. It was like, be a personal trainer or build a network marketing company were like how you could work remotely at that time. And so I did that. And it was actually pretty successful. And I ended up moving. You did network Mm -hmm. marketing? Oh, I didn't Mm -hmm. know that about you. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So I built a business with Isogenics, you know, I earned over $200,000 in, you know, and like actually made some money, decided to move to Los Angeles because I was a dating a boy who I'm still dating now. Um, and he lived in LA and moved there. And when I got there, I was like, okay, you have a network marketing business. You're a personal trainer in LA, which is a whole nother mindset <laughs> struggle. <Right. laughs> in itself. But um, I was like, you need to meet people like network marketing is, you know, meeting other people. And so I started Mm -hmm. working part time at Lululemon. And it was such an amazing culture. And it was it totally basically it was the first time I had worked in an environment where I realized that you could bring personal development and leadership skills into work. And Mm -hmm. it like really got me excited about the world of building teams and recruiting. And so I worked there for about three years, didn't want to do retail anymore and decided, and I was like, where can I go work that my soul will not die? Right? Like I can't go back to corporate America. I was like, I'm going to join tech startups. You're in LA, join startup world. So that's what I did. And I was often the first recruiting or HR hire in these businesses. And you're kind of like an entrepreneur at that point, right? Like you're literally an entrepreneur building a part of a business and did that for about four years and decided to go off. I I really wanted to do my own thing again, right? I I have this entrepreneurial bug. I was like, I want to build my own thing. And so decided to leave in-house and now I do consulting for 
like head of HR and recruiting consulting for a lot of VC funded startups and some other, you know, digital entrepreneurs and all of that. So I've been doing it for three years. And along the way, I also have friends like you who are building digital businesses because now having a digital business is a thing and there's a lot more people doing their own thing. And a lot of them don't know how to hire or how to build teams or do these things that I learned from working in corporate America. And so I also have a podcast and do some, uh, I'm creating some products to help entrepreneurs with very small teams learn how to do the team stuff well. So that was a long, a little bit longer winded, but I don't know. I've never shared that really with you. So I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll give you the full yeah. deal. So that's, that's just, what I do now. I've known Jackie for years, you guys, and I just learned some things about her that I never knew before. So I am glad that you did, but you stumbled into what we're going to talk about today, which is being a digital entrepreneur. We're in the stage now where it's a lot bigger, I think, than it used to be when you were going to start like an online coaching business. It, there's many more facets to it. And so there's a lot of people, myself included, and, and everyone in my world at this stage where it's like, okay, I feel like I need to hire somebody, but who do I even hire and how do I even find the person and what should they even be doing? It's just this big question mark that nobody's taught us, but then also we don't have the budget and the staff to bring on a full-time HR person to help fill that gap either. And that's where you came in and spoke to my mastermind so recently and filled some of these gaps for us. And so I'm really excited to dive into this today because I know so many people are out there struggling right now being like, okay, is it time to hire or is it not time to hire? There's even a whole confusing narrative around that online of when is it the right time to hire? Mm -hmm. But I would love for us to dive into this whole conversation with the one big thing that you said to our mastermind that shocked everybody and opened up a fantastic conversation, which is that you don't believe as an unpopular opinion that a virtual assistant should be the first hire that a digital entrepreneur makes. I do believe that. Now, I shouldn't say, I, I don't know if I want to say that as a blanket statement, but I will say like a lot of the coaching and advice you give is like, just hire an assistant and they throw it out so like nonchalantly. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's always the right move. I, and I would say 95% of first time hire, people, people hiring for the first time into their business, it's not what you should do first. And there's a whole, I think there's a lot of reasons why, but the first is if you're sitting there thinking that you're so busy, you need help and you don't know what you need that person to do, why the hell do you think a virtual assistant is going to solve that problem for you? <laughs> like, it's what are they going to do? They don't know your business. You think they're mm -hmm. just going to show up and be like, okay, this is what I do and it's going to help you. Like, that's not going to be the case, you know? So it's like, what you really want is time back in your day. You want some breathing room. You want an expert to probably take on some of the things that you don't know how to do probably yep. more. So, so I just think exploring what that could look like versus just immediately jumping to hiring as an assistant and assistants are a high turnover job. It's a hard mm. role to manage. It's a hard role to find people before that are good for it. And so if that's your first hire and you go through four of them and they're not great, you're going to start to think you, it's your problem. And there, it probably is your problem, but not because not for the reasons you make up in your head. 
not because you're a bad boss, not because of like, you don't know how to lead a team, like not all the reasons that it should be, it's because you probably haven't set up the systems to do it well. And that has nothing to do with you personally or your capability to be a good leader, right? So those are some of the reasons why I don't think you should do that. Yeah, we, I'll just share, this is exactly the problem I found myself in after my first hire. And side note, I love my assistant, Izzy. We have figured out and worked out the kinks and figured out exactly where she fits into my business and what she does. A nod to what you just said, we had to figure out the systems and processes that were hers. One, what were the systems? And two, what was she going to take over? What was she skilled to take over in the business? But I found myself in the position that you just described where I was like, okay, I want time back. I know that that means I can't be doing everything anymore. So let me just hire someone to take it off my plate. But exactly like you said, she didn't know my business. And so then I was sitting down trying to explain my business to someone and trying to explain these these things that I didn't have processes for yet. And I found it was taking more time off of my plate instead of giving me my time back. It's also because there's the narrative out there, hire before you're ready, but nobody Mm -hmm. actually says what the hell that means. So like, okay, so what does that mean? (laughs) Well, hire before you're ready means before you're like drowning so much in the weeds, right? That you're like on burnout Mm -hmm. mode. And so hire before you're ready doesn't mean just go out and hire as quickly as you can. It means start to think about that. So like there's still prep work that needs to go into hiring before you're ready. But if you wait too long where you're working 80 hour weeks or whatever for months on end, you're not going to be able to do the prep work to do it well. Right. So what I think, like what you really need to do is not glamorous. (laughs) Like it's not fun what I'm going to tell people listening in order to get ready to hire. Like when I say it, you're going to probably kick and scream and not want to do it and think I'm annoying, but it's what you need to do. I just get so validated when I go to like different events and like really well-known entrepreneurs come in and speak. James Webmore was just speaking at an event and he literally taught them to do what I teach people. I'm like, okay, I do know what I'm talking about guys. I'm not just crazy, but like what you should really be doing even now, even if you're not even thinking about hiring yet and you think you need to hire in a year, start to track how you're spending your time. Like mm. it's, it's not, it's not fun. It's not glamorous, but you want to start to track how to, how you're spending your time and just do like a monthly review of that. And like, there's a lot of tools that are like, I love toggle. It's free. You can just like quickly start, stop your timer. You can download a report at the end of the month to see how you're spending your time. And then look through that list and and identify things that you're not doing that you need to be doing to grow your business so that then you can start to think about if I hire somebody, what am I actually spending? What things can I actually delegate? What things can I get off of my plate? What things need to be happening in the business that aren't? And it will help inform what you need to hire. Because I would be willing to bet, I mean, there's a a few different things. One, I bet if you were to look at that list, there might be some things that stand out to you as like, oh, if I just hired a social media agency to do this, like there's so many social media agencies out there or social media experts or graphic designer experts. Like if you're spending a lot of time in Canva, maybe you could just hire a graphic design expert to do a few things, right? So it's like, 
you might see that there's different things that you can actually get off your plate to somebody who's an expert. Mm-hmm. And then you don't actually have to like manage that a lot. You know, you can just like outsource yeah. it. Okay. So step one is we have to get something like Toggle, which is a free app. Yes. It is. So Toggle Track, it's it's T-O-G-G-L Track. And there's a phone on your, there's an app for your phone, or you can have it as like an internet browser to just like start tracking your hours. Does it keep track of what website you're on and what you're doing? Or is it just a a timer for you to start and stop? Just a timer. I'm sure they have, I'm sure they have things you can run in the background to like track what you're doing. I haven't explored those yet, but I'm sure they exist. So you recommend for a full day, we sit down and we track every single thing that we're spending our time on. Should we do this for more than one day to get a good picture? Yes. I think you should do it for a month. And in fact, I would argue you should get used to doing it all the time. Oof. I know. (laughs) I know. But here's why. Well, it depends. So if you're building the habit, it's the habit. The oof comes from building the new habit, right? But once it becomes a habit, it's just like what you do, right? So if you're servicing clients... It helps you figure out how much time I am, am I actually devoting to each client? Like if you're a coach, when I sign up this person for coaching, how much time am I actually spending supporting them? Because you're doing more yeah. work than just the phone call. You know, yeah. you're doing some prep, you're doing some follow-up, but like, how do you know how much time an act- a client actually takes or certain things take? Like for me in my HR business, I have not been super rigorous about this and I'm paying for it right now because I don't actually know how long it takes on average to fill a job where Mm -hmm. if I was actually tracking my hours, I would know how like on average it takes me 40 hours to fill a recruiting job or something like there's always going to be outliers, but at least I would know a rough idea so that I knew when my bandwidth was actually getting to like when I was getting to bandwidth. Yeah, this is making me realize too, this would even help clean up energy leaks and time leaks where I'm spending more time on things that I don't even realize. Like right now Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about this and I'm like, I should really be tracking how many hours a day I'm in my community chat with my mastermind and how much time I'm spending in there answering their questions. Not because I want to spend less time answering their questions, but I bet if I even just devoted specific hours of the day to it, I would get just as much done with them and not spend as much time in there Mm -hmm. aimlessly. If I tapped in in intentional time periods, it would probably be less time overall, but more potent and efficient for everyone inside of the chat. So this already has benefits before even hiring out, I feel like, to letting you feel less busy on a day-to-day. And it it helps you figure out pricing. Like what if you're totally lowballing what you're offering for and you're like, whoa, this actually takes way more time than what Mm. I realized. Yeah. When you see the hours actually going into it. Yeah. Right. And not that you should charge all hours, right? Like I've been been recruiting for 20 years, so I can do it a lot better than you. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) So I'm not going to charge less just because it takes me two hours to do what would take you 10, but it at least helps me figure out it just, I think it helps you get a better view of your business overall. And then, you know, when you can take on more clients, when you can't, you know, when you can, okay, I need to hire somebody. When am I ready to hire? Well, for me, 
like it, like there's, there's two different ways to hire, right? Like you can hire freelancers, contractors, outsourced help. That's very part-time. And that's really easy to turn off or on with the, with the, with your business, right? Then Mm. there's full-time hires. Well, I don't want to hire a full-time recruiter until I know that I have enough work for them. And if I know on average how long it takes to fill a job, I know how many leads I need to have in order to give them full-time work, right? So it's like, that's why I say you should just do it all the time. And it's just the habit, right? Like I'm not in the habit of tracking my hours. I wish I would. And then also once your team, once you do start building out a team of like full-time employees that are doing work for you and they, they're going to start, trust me, whining about bandwidth. And sometimes it's whining, sometimes it's legitimate, but you don't know as a manager when somebody's actually overworked if you don't know how much they're working. So then with, yeah. if somebody comes to you and says, Emily, we need to hire somebody else. I, I can't, this bandwidth is too high, all this stuff. Your initial thought is probably going to be, I can't afford it. You got to figure out a way to work better. I don't know. I, I don't mean to sound dismissive, but like it can feel sure. a little bit challenging sometimes. And so then if you're, if you're like, okay, so-and-so, I, I need you to start tracking your hours. They're going to be like, oh, you don't believe me that I'm doing as much work as I'm doing? And it turns into this thing that doesn't have to be a thing if they've already been tracking their hours from the beginning. And you would clearly explain like, hey, we track our hours here because we want to know what we're, how much we're spending time on things so that we can automate. We, can, we know we can do a review every month and be like, okay, this task is taking way too many hours. There's got to be a way to automate some of this. Yeah. Right. And so if you explain it in that way so that they don't feel like you're just tracking what they're doing, they'll be more bought into doing it because they know it's to help them, not to big brother them. Yeah. But implementing it once you have team, it's hard. Sure. I'm even thinking now, like I would have to open the conversation with Izzy, my assistant, in a very intentional way to make sure that that was understood can be done. But even as we're just talking about this, I'm like, okay, I do. I want to, and I'm going to start tracking my hours and would love to see hers as well. Because even to affirm what you're saying here, maybe there's some tasks on her list right now that take her too long because they're not her area of expertise and is someone else's. And it would be better for all of us if that went to an appropriate contractor to get that done. So this is already really practical advice, not even just for hiring, but for getting your business in order and getting your processes in order. Once we have our list, so let's say we do, we're, we're very good and diligent and we track our hours for a month and we see where everything is going. Is there anywhere that you recommend starting hiring out when we look at that list and when we see what's taking the most of our time slash are there some things on that list that maybe we shouldn't hire out that maybe should stay with us? How do we start to differentiate? So that is going to be so case by case in your business, right? So A good thing to do is to look at it and categorize each task with a few different things. So I think the first would be like categorizing it as a, and I don't think I taught this to your team or to your mastermind, but I'll share it now. But like looking at each task and categorizing it into if it's a growth activity, like does it help your business make more money? The second would be categorizing it as like business operations, right? Like invoicing, like paying bills, like some of those things. 
And then the third category would be like your services, like what your business provides. So like for you, coaching time. For me, recruiting time is like a core business service, right? Right. Because then you can see if, I mean, if you really want to get crazy, you can put it into an Excel sheet and make like a, a pie chart and see like if, if the majority, if you're not doing much or anything at all to grow your business, your business isn't going to grow, right? Yep. And so I think looking at it holistically and really being clear on like, okay, I'm spending, that's how you know if you're spending too much time in your business versus growing your business, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you need to hire, you might hire someone to do the growth activities. Maybe that's not what's great for you, but it's just like knowing that and getting a really good picture of that. There's no way to, to unsee that once you see it, right? So I think that's a good just like business being a CEO thing to do. It brings me back to you use the example of James Wedmore at the event you were at recently. I was at that as well too. And he was walking through his thoughts on some of these things. And it reminds me of what he said or something you said, which is there's only about 5% of the activities in our business that are growth activities for our business. And those are a lot of times the visionary things that really only we can be doing, like going out and speaking on podcasts with other people, going Mm -hmm. out and doing live trainings, the things that get you in front of new people or the creation of your programs and of your courses, those things where that actually is going to grow your business, that actually is going to increase your capacity to bring people in. But we bog down all of our time in these other things that really don't actually need us, like the customer service, like like creating Mm -hmm. your sales pages, like creating your branding. And these are things that in the beginning, it can feel like, okay, but I have to be doing all these things. I'm the only one. I need to be doing all these things. And I'm curious if you have any input on how to differentiate. And this is a little bit of a different territory here, but how do you know when you've crossed a threshold where it's now costing you money to do those things versus spending money that maybe is a little hard for you to part with, but to get you back into those growth activities? It's hard because I don't know that I have the right, I don't have the perfect answer for that. Um, I can share in my own experience. So I, so I'm on year three of my business. I've been over six figures every year of my business. So like I'm doing pretty good. Right. And I, I'm grateful for that. It's all been referral based and I can also charge a lot of money for what I do because it's, you know, of, of it's a hard thing in people's businesses. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I just had to disclaim that. What's wrong with us? Why do we do this? We have to like <laughs> disclaimer why we're doing well. Like, God, anyways, oh, no, you're I'm doing proud great. of that. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, I just thought I would, there's a lesson there. I know. So what I did in the second year of my business, I was like, okay, I make anything that I, that that I could hire somebody to do for less, I I knew I could charge at least $150 an hour for HR consulting or more, right? Mm -hmm. So for that year, I was like, okay, anything that costs me less than $150 an hour, I'm hiring somebody to do. Because then I could spend my time actually servicing things, right? Right. And I think it, I think in the long run, it was still the right decision. But let me tell you that second year of my business, I hired a social media agent. Well, first I tried hiring an assistant, did not listen to my, this is why I'm so strong about it. (laughs) Didn't work out. I was like, this is not helping me. And so then I ended up hiring a social media agency. I hired a podcast agency to help me launch my podcast. And I hired, I invested in those things because I wasn't doing those things to grow my business. Right. 
And then as the year went on, my bank account was dwindling and I wasn't getting as much business as I had thought. So then I was like, oof, okay, I no longer can do that. So I had a pullback. I still have a podcast team, but I'm doing all my own social media now because I was like, I I have to bring that back in house. So it was like, it made sense then to look at it that way. Now in the state of the world where people aren't hiring as much, I feel like I had to pull back on that a little bit. So if that could be a, a reference point for people to use, like if you're, if you are providing service to someone and you know that you can charge more than what some of these tasks may cost, I do feel like that's a good way to look at it. I had to change that. So I don't know. But I think that that's a good benchmark for people to go off off of. And it really does start with, do you have some sense, even if it's an estimate of what is the value of your time on an hourly rate? And are you doing activities that you could pay somebody to do for less than that hourly rate? Because we all know at the end of the day, time is money, right? So even if you feel like you're doing something for free, there's an opportunity cost to that. You could be out there instead of writing your own sales emails, for example, going out and actually making the connections with new clients that's going to bring in more revenue than it would have cost you to pay somebody to write those emails for you. So I think that there of just sitting down and saying, okay, well, what am I working for hourly? Can I get a right estimate of what is the value of my time at this moment in time? Of course, you know, we're invaluable and that can always change, but what are you not willing to work for less than? And are you taking quote unquote jobs in your business, like writing your emails, like creating your social media content that are taking up all this time from you that really wouldn't cost that much to hire out? So I think that's a beautiful benchmark. It was a good, and I think I'll go back to it. You know, it's, I'm having, it's having and flowing for sure for me. You also got to figure out like, I don't know, I kind of have fun making my own social media. So I mean, there's times where I'm like, oh, I hate this so much, but, (laughs) but I do think that's a good benchmark for sure. And then the other thing is, is like, I think you asked me the question of like what to hire first. So I'm going to go back to that list of tasks. So then So once you have the list and you kind of look at like what's revenue generating, what's, you know, operating all that stuff, also look at each task and and decide like, can I delegate this? Like, can I, and, and delegating means, is there a way for me to give this to somebody else to do, aka a system, probably like a project management tool? And can I train somebody on how to do this? Because that's that's what delegating is, right? Delegating means that you you give it to somebody else to do and you have to teach them how to do it so they know how to do it going forward. And if the answer is yes, yes, you can delegate it. If you can't, it might be like something that requires your energy or uh, there may be a reason why you can't. And then the second, the last part would be, does it energize you? Or, or is it in your zone of genius? Like whatever language you want to use for that, yes or no. And then mm-hmm. like do some sorting of the of the list to see like how many things are in my zone of genius how many things could i delegate and if there's a lot of things that you can delegate is not in your zone of genius that are kind of like a similar task then you probably that might be where you want to try to hire first and mm. i would try to hire a contractor or a freelancer first Hiring contractors has changed the game for me. It has been phenomenal to have somebody who knows what they're doing and me not have to try to explain what I think I want, but it's out of my zone of genius, so I don't really know how Mm -hmm. to say what I want. It's been 
it's made such a difference in my business, hiring people who are skilled in what they do. And you might feel like you're paying more because it is a little bit of a premium sometimes, but to not have to, but it's not like you're paying right. more because you're there than they're an expert and can set it up, you know, like paying for my social media team, I would refer them all day long. Like, but they set up a social media process for me so that I knew how to do my social media. They taught me how to make a social media yep. calendar. Right. And then the other thing I would say, hire somebody to set up. If you're not a systems person, and when I mean systems, like a project management tool, some sort of tool that is not a written down to-do list. I was going to see if I even have a notebook. I don't because I don't do that anymore. Like hire somebody who can help you set up a project management tool that works for you. Because if you just sign up for Asana or Trello or ClickUp or Monday.com, they can do anything. Like it, it, it's like a blank canvas and it can be yep. so overwhelming. Like I looked at Asana and I was like, oh my God, we use Asana in all of my startups and I fought it tooth and nail. And now I look back and I'm like, God, you were such an annoying boss. Like, why wouldn't you have just used it? it w- you would have made your, li- your team's lives so much better. And so it I tried using it. It is. Mm-hmm. So I ended up hiring an expert. You can find them on Upwork or wherever. And I was like, I need you to implement this for me. And so we talked through how my workflows are, what I do. And like we set up some Asana boards to manage my operations. So I have an editorial calendar. I have a podcast board. Like I have different boards that she helped me set up and then taught me how to use it. And also taught me how to set up an Asana board for every employee. So I should tell you this. So what she does is like she turns a job description and what she taught me, her name is Sid. She's amazing. Turns a job description into an Asana board and creates recurring tasks for each person. And then you as a boss can look at your team's tasks and see how they're doing and like oversee their work that way. Izzy and I just set that up for her. So I'm like feeling so proud hearing you say that because I'm like, Good we job. just did that. We did something right. <laughs> it, you know, and so it's like, if you don't know how, I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I paid someone to do that for me and it was like $400, but guess what? It was amazing. Now it's how I, my entire business operates. So hire people to do that. And I want to add to, this was actually our second attempt at getting in Asana. And this is where I did it wrong the first time was I assumed she would figure it out herself going yes. into it. But of course, she's not going to want to. Like it, it can be an overwhelming piece of tech. Like we said, when you just look at it and you don't know what you're looking at, I know how to use it from my previous job, but she didn't. And so then this time I had to sit down and say, hey, here's how we're going to set this up. And I could have outsourced that. I actually didn't even think of that until you said it. I could have outsourced somebody to help us set that up. But it took a full probably probably three days total of us having calls to say, here's what it's going to be. And then sitting down to get it set up together. But now it's up and running. And she even has sent me messages like, thank goodness we did this. It feels so much better. I know where everything is. I know exactly what I need to be doing each week. Like I'm so glad that we actually set this up. So for anybody who doesn't feel like a tech person, I highly recommend getting in Asana. It's my favorite one. I've tried a couple different of the project management tools. And if you need to pay somebody to show you and set it up, I think it's worth it. A hundred percent worth it. I would do it a million times over. And then the other thing, which I haven't done yet, but I 
I'm hypothesizing is out there is like when you go through the list of tasks, like you could even create a list of like, could AI do this? And then look at, there has to be an Upwork AI implementers that I don't know what their names would be, but there has to be people doing it. I know somebody who does it. Like hire them to come in and look at your business operations and be like, oh, you could have, you could implement this AI tool and do this AI tool. Like I just feel like AI tools are changing the roles we need in our business. And so start to leverage them now. And it's not to replace people. It's to make people more effective. And so I, that's another reason why I don't think a VA is the first hire that you need, because I think there's a lot of automation with AI that can probably do a lot of the repetitive stuff that you you're trying to like give to somebody else. Yeah, I think so too. I was speaking to somebody recently. We did a podcast swap. I was on her. She was on mine and she was talking about how now she uses AI for most of her podcast editing for the show notes and for pulling out important like clips and things like that and finding timestamps. She uses AI for most of it. And I was like, that is such a smart a smart way to use that tool. And even with Izzy, she writes out every Friday, we send out a recap email of the podcast that went out. She uses ChatGPT to go in and help her write the email. And then oh, we that's have awesome. It, yeah. To, to start to learn my tone of voice, I write yeah. all the other emails because I love writing emails for my business, but I know not everybody does, but we've used that to help her take over that one using an, a first initial email that I wrote as the base template. So there's a lot of cool things you can do. There's with AI. a lot of cool stuff that you can do for sure. And so I just think like taking the time to explore what those are, it's, it can feel overwhelming at first. Like you don't even know where to start, but it, you can hire people to do it then. Like if you don't, don't feel like yeah. you have to wait till the perfect time where you have a full day that you can explore all these tools. Like there's people you can hire to do that. I, there has to be. Absolutely. I want to back up to talking about Zone of Genius for a second because it made me think of something that I'll share that got me into not not trouble, but it it kept my time busy in areas that it didn't need to for a long time, which was not differentiating between my zone of genius and my zone of competence and things Ooh, where I was that's like, good. There are so many tasks that I was grouping into my zone of genius because I was like, well, I'm good at them and they they bring me a little bit of joy. Like I kind of have fun doing them, like you were saying with social media, but they didn't need to be me. They just didn't yeah. need to be me at the end of the day. And I was like, I'm, I'm almost distracting myself by doing these tasks, things that I don't need to be doing, things like going through and finding video clips from my podcast and stitching those together. Like I enjoy the editing. It's fun. But is that a growth activity for my business? Absolutely not in the sense of like, I need to be doing it. I can right. absolutely hire somebody to do that, which I now have done, but not differentiating of like, okay, could you do this? Yes. But do you need to be doing this? Are you the only one who can be doing this? Is this truly your zone of genius in this business? And is this going to, like we were saying earlier, grow the business? I think that's an important thing for people to make note of as well when they're going through those lists because it's easy to still bog up your time with things that you don't have to be doing, but you're good at them. Yeah, and that's a good call out. As your business grows too, those are the things that you can look to hiring out more and more. Maybe you are doing more of them up front before you have more cash flow, but those are the things that you're going to want to hand off when you're getting ready to scale your business. 
Right. And I do think also like people hesitate to hire because it feels like you're carrying the weight of somebody's like income on your shoulders and it's scary. And I get that. Like I feel that right now yeah. with one of, she, she doesn't work for me, but she's a, we do a revenue share and she's a partner in my business. And like, you know, when we lose business, like I feel like shit, I'm trying to provide for both of us. Like we were working on it together, but I feel that. But all that to say, when you hire contractors and freelancers, I not not that you want to just hire and fire freelancers all the time. Like I'm not saying to do that, but there right. is that is part of it, and they expect that as well. You know, so it's like it's less scary. Like it was when I decided I had to stop using my social media team last year. I felt bad, but I also knew, like, I gave them the 30 days notice. It was, like, a little bit less of, like, a emotional they have other business. decision. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's, like, if you're hesitating to hire because you're, like, but what if I can't keep it up forever? Then stop. Then, then like, if you have a freelance team or contractors, then you can just say, like, hey, we're not going to be able to work together anymore. And you don't even have to tell them why. I probably would. But... Like there's just like more freedom in that, you know, like it doesn't have to be as big of a decision, I guess. For anybody who's listening and might not know or just might not know for sure, can you explain really quickly what the difference is between hiring a freelancer slash contractor and an actual employee in your business? Yes, for sure. A lot of people don't know this actually. So a freelancer, so there's like a bunch of different ways you could hire to your team. So there is... And the first is like deciding if it's a contractor or independent contractor or employee relationship. And so, and then within there are different names and things like categories. So a independent contractor relationship is that the person you hire is not doing oftentimes like regular work for you. Like a lot of times it's like project-based work or very ad hoc projects that come up, but it's not like super regular work. They also are free to do similar work to other companies, right? They have control over when they work, the hours they work, how they get the work done. Like they really have all of the control, their end but, but what they owe to you is like a deliverable, right? And so that is what an independent contractor relationship is by, and, and these are kind of determined by the IRS and the government, right? You don't pay taxes for paying somebody an independent con- as an independent contractor. They pay taxes, right? But you as a business don't have to. And so as an independent contractor, you'll hear names of like freelancer, or contractor. Like freelancers are often more like creatives. So, you know, designers, web developers, things like that. Contractors are usually somebody who has like an area of expertise in a different part of the business. So like me, an HR professional, an accountant, those types of things. And then also agencies. So an agency is often somebody is is a company that you pay that has a lot of different specialties under one roof. So like my social media agency, they they did a lot of different things for me and they had multiple people working on my account. So that's like kind of contractor side. 
an employee side of hiring someone, you could hire a part-time employee. And I think that's where a lot of people are like, oh, if they work full-time, they're an employee. But that's not true. You could have a part-time employee, you could have a temporary employee, or you could have a full-time employee. And the difference in that is that the employee is doing, you have a lot more control over where they do their work and when they do their work and how they do their work. So it really comes down to like how much control you want to have over those things. So like if you if you are hiring somebody to do customer service and you need them to do customer service Monday through Friday, 10 to 7, they have to be online, they have to be doing work, might be more of an employee relationship, right? Because you're controlling how they work, but it doesn't mean they have to work full-time. And it doesn't mean you have to pay them a salary. Like you could pay a, a full-time employee an hourly rate. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that, which I could I actually have on my show, entire podcast episodes about those things. But those are kind of like the main differences. Okay. So that brought up a question for me, and I don't know if there's even a clear answer for this, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Is there a point in growing your business where somebody should start to consider a full-time employee or a just an actual employee of your business versus a contractor? I kind of almost feel like these are businesses now where we could operate indefinitely with contractors. Yeah. Curious what we your could. thoughts are. Well, you'd have to look back to the law that determines when somebody is considered an employee. And it also depends what state you're in. Now you're in California. So you're lucky you, you have a lot more stricter laws. So it's not just like when I want to make them, it comes down to a lot of legal, like there's laws that dictate when that is. And those laws are typically around the control you have over their work. Like it's really that. So it's like, if you want somebody to, de- to be devoting full-time hours to your business and your business only, they're probably an employee. I mean, they're, they're an employee. So, so that's a, not an answer to your question is it, it really just kind of depends. You that know, there sense, might though. be a cost, like it might make more sense from a cost perspective. So like, if you're outsourcing, if you have a contractors for social media, email marketing, you have a lot of contractors for marketing. If you add all of that up, it might make more sense then to hire a full-time marketing gen- like person who can do all of those things. That's a good point instead of you know? hiring it all out separately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense though that it's not it's not like a blanket like once you cross this income level, then somebody Mm-mm. should be full-time on your team. And it's also very permission granting of build your team in a way that feels best to you. And like you said, sometimes you might scale back the amount of work that you have outsourced from mm-hmm. other people. And sometimes you might be in seasons where you're outsourcing more. So I think this yeah. is – we're living in a very interesting but – cool way or cool era of building our businesses and being able to collaborate with all these different experts in these different niches and these different expertises. And I think it's really cool. And it's getting even more interesting. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but like even in more what's traditionally like professional jobs like myself or, or some other like CMOs, like there's a lot of, especially like high performers that don't want to work full time for people anymore. So there's a lot of people like this world of fractional work is becoming very, very common in, in like corporate environments as well. And I think like with, with remote work continuing to be a thing free, like 
people wanting more freedom, like where they work. I think that there's going to be more and more trend towards more and more people wanting to work for themselves and do contract work instead of being full-time employees. So it'll be really interesting to see how it all plays out over the next 10 years. I have no idea what will happen, but I think more and more people will not want to be employees. Like it used to be the best, like what everybody wanted. And I think now people don't really want that. The only thing really tying people to jobs is healthcare and which is a whole nother conversation, but it's funny (laughs) because I've never worked at a job that had healthcare. So I've always paid for my own. And I'm like, at the end of the day, you guys, it doesn't cost that much money. Like I'm not saying it's cheap. But to pay for your own healthcare at the benefit then of going and having unlimited income in your own business, I'm like, it, at, at some point we have to let the healthcare go, the free I know. healthcare go. <laughs> I know. It's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. Also, like when did businesses have to provide healthcare to people? It's, it's a whole nother it's topic, true. but it is. that's like the only thing that's really like keeping a lot, I mean, and steady pay. There's a lot of things, but I think there's going to be more and more of a trend of people not wanting to work full-time jobs. I agree. Okay. The last question I have for you is one that I get all the time and it's where do you start to find people? Where do you start to find contractors? And I'm curious from your perspective, are sites like Upwork, are those reliable for starting to find the first hires in your business? And if so, what are some of the things that you should be looking for when you go to make your first hire and how long should you keep, this is kind of three questions in one, how -hmm. long should you keep a contractor on before you make a decision of whether or not it's working, because I've noticed that something in my hires too of I'm like, okay, is this now we just need to work out the kinks in our communications and our relationship? Or how do I know if this is actually a bad hire? So where do we go to find people? What are some of the things we should be looking for when we go to hire and how to know if it was a bad hire or not? Okay. First, go to people that you know who are building businesses and be like, do you have a graphic designer you like? Do you have a social media agency you love? Like leverage the people that you know who are building businesses and say, if you don't, like, do you know somebody else that's using somebody and like ask for referrals is the best way. Like I think referrals are great. And honestly, like I've asked for referrals and people candidly be like, "Eh, I don't know that I would use them. And then there's other times Mm -hmm. where they're like, yes, use them. So Go to other people that you know building businesses and ask who they use or who you should talk to would be the first move. After that, if you don't have any good referrals or leads or anything like that for, for the what you need, I think Upwork is a great place. And what I would do, and it's not going to be perfect. Like you're going to probably have to test and try. And so what I recommend you do is find like a mini project that you could pay someone 200 bucks, 300 bucks to do mm-hmm. and give it like you put it out there on Upwork. I need somebody to do X, Y, Z. So you'll put it out there and then you'll have people submit their proposals, right? Hop on a call with them and do a short little interview with them. Meet them via video and be like, hey, I saw your proposal. This is what I'm thinking. Long term, I might need like I, I am looking for somebody long term, but I want to start out with a little test project. And then give that, well, first see if you like them, ask them for client referrals, ask them how they best work. Like the interview conversation isn't going to be as hardcore as if you were hiring them as an employee. 
but you can still, I'm giving you permission to say, can we hop on a call and have a conversation and just say, who are some of the clients you work with? How long have you been doing this? Like you can ask them questions and you can also do a vibe check of like, am I going to like working with this person? Right. And then narrow that down to a list of like two or three and give two or three people the test project and then select who you want to work with longer term based on that. That's what I did when I looked for, I, I actually have some sourcers in, in a couple different countries. And I, I gave the, I worked with two for about a month. I think I paid each of them about four, 300 bucks or something. And one came out a clear winner. She's in Brazil. She's amazing. And I still work with her. So that is how I would ease into it is by like finding a small project that you can have somebody do. And I 100% think those are great. I also, there's also like, I love creatives.com. That's a good one. Upwork is good. The only thing about Upwork is like, it's really hard. There's a lot of fees associated with Upwork, which kind of sucks, but it's worth it. I think. I love, I just want to affirm the piece on going and talking to your community. And I'm going to just throw this in here because I say it all the time, but you guys, this is why it's so important to get yourself in community with other entrepreneurs like masterminds because you get access to this kind of information that's going to save you a lot of money in the long run of hiring bad people. Almost everybody that I work with has been from a referral from another business owner that I know where I'm like, hey, do you know anybody who can do this? So I just wanted to throw that in there that that is where I have grown most of my team from. And I'm working with, I believe, four different contractors right now for different things. And they're all phenomenal. And they all were references from other people. But I also love, like you said, if that's not accessible, starting with a small project. I think that's so easy to do, but so easy to overlook too of just a couple hundred bucks that you are putting potentially, quote unquote, on the line, but to see if somebody's going to be a good fit for you. Yeah. If we're bringing something on that, someone on then, it, I feel like for smaller projects, this isn't as, as big of a deal because you'll, you'll learn it. But let's say somebody is bringing on a virtual assistant. Is there a length of time that you would suggest like work with somebody for at least this long to make sure that you are working out those kinks and seeing if it's a good fit? Or if it, is it a gut thing of like when you know it's not good, it's just not good? I want to say it's a gut thing because it partially is, but not if you're a first-time manager. Like mm-hmm. if you haven't hired and led people before, I don't think gut is is enough. I think one – like for me, gut usually works, but I've been doing it for a while. And, sure. you know, so it's like – so that's where I'm like, Ugh, I don't know. And then sometimes gut is right. I don't know. But I would, what I would say to, to directly answer your question is I would say it takes at least 30 days. And after 30 days, like have a weekly check-in with this person. And after 30 days, if there are still, if there are things that are not going well, and you can confidently say you've told the person you have the project management tools to effectively work with this person then I would say like after 30 days, you should know if you're still on the fence at 30 days, tell them, be like, Hey, this isn't working out. I'm, this isn't going like, this isn't working for me. Like, and just be very honest with them and say, let's try another 30 days or or then say like, how is it going for you? Like, Ask them, right? (laughs) Because if it's not going well for you, they know, and it's probably not going well for them. 
and just like have the conversation around like, what do you think I could change to help make this easier or better? And just like have a conversation if you're on the fence and be like, okay, each of you commit to doing something and say, we'll check in again at 60 days, right? And then if at 60 days, it's still not going well, then I think it's reason, even 45 days, like it, it's reasonable to be like, this isn't working and just like end the relationship. I wouldn't go longer than 60 days. That's a good a good rule of thumb for us to internalize there. And I'm laughing because I'm thinking back to a conversation we had where I shared with you, hey, I'm having a little bit of trouble with a contractor. And you were like, did you tell them? <laughs> You're like, did you, did you say what was going on that isn't working for you? And I was like, no, Jackie, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't had that conversation. So I think it's a good reminder. Sometimes it is us. This is a, another part of hiring that has been an interesting skill building period of time where learning how to have these conversations that you don't have to have when it's just you and yourself. You, mm-hmm. you can yell at yourself or not yell at yourself as much as you want to, but exactly. having to articulate something to somebody else is a new skill that we need to, I think, factor into that is it working or not equation. But And back to the gut thing. Even if the even if you are good at your gut and you know it's not working, like it's the kind thing to do to have a conversation with the sure. person. Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Clarity, clarity like, is is kind. <laughs> yeah, like it's the right it's it's the right thing to do. It doesn't mean you have to be like you suck. I can't believe you don't know blah blah blah. But you can be like, look, like this isn't going well. Do you think it is? Like, <laughs> I mean, right. maybe don't say it that way, but you know what I mean. Like having the conversation is is the right thing to do. I agree. Okay. Well, Jackie, thank you so much. This has been so insightful. I feel like you have provided so many good practical hands-on tips, things people can get started on today. I'm going to re-emphasize the time tracking. I'm going to go start doing this after this call. Scout's honor. I'll do it (laughs) too. We're all going to do it together. (laughs) If people want to hear more, where can they find you? Where do you want everybody to go hang out? So I am on Instagram. You can go to the business page, which is people principles and it's principles, not like the principal at school, the other principal <laughs> spelling. I don't know why I said that. And then I have a podcast called, Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now as well, where I have a lot of episodes about all of these things. And you can actually find that at JackieCoke.com. I mean, it's everywhere you listen to podcasts, but if you want to like see it there, you can go check it out there. Those will be the best two ways to find me for now until I figure out this threads thing. Until we figure out threads, right? That's a whole other podcast episode. A whole other thing. (laughs) Amazing. Well, we will link all of those in the show notes for everybody. If you are watching and you need more of Jackie, please go listen to her podcast. It's the best name ever at Oh Shit, I'm Mm. the Boss Now. Jackie, thank you again for your time. And everybody, I will see you in the next one. Thanks, Emily. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. 
Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.